You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We've got some pro days to update you on. We'll finish this show with some interesting pro day numbers for some guys that I think the Bengals may be interested in. We've got some minor moves to talk about. We're going to start the show there. And some reports that are putting a lot of smoke around Jamar Chase to the Cincinnati Bengals as their primary target at number five. We'll get there in the middle of the show. If you don't already subscribe to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, we're here for you five days a week. And whenever there's breaking Bengals news, we're available wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you subscribe for those daily updates on your Cincinnati Bengals. James, let's get started with those relatively minor news items, the, the small notes that went on on Monday for the Cincinnati Bengals. Ricardo Allen, his signing is now official. He replaces Sean Williams effectively on the roster as he heads down to Arizona with A.J. Green and Vance Joseph with the Arizona Cardinals. And over the weekend, actually on Sunday after we recorded, the Bengals re-signed Jordan Evans. So let's go in order. Procedural move for Ricardo Allen and Sean Williams goes to Arizona. Yeah, the, the Allen deal official, and it's sort of funny. He replaces Williams, and that deal becomes official. And shortly after that, the, the report from Tom Pelissero that Williams is going to Arizona. But here's what I'll say about Sean Williams. The dude for eight years... It's the end of an era, so you're going to – a lot of these goodbyes, but for uh, a lot of years, was a really good guy in the community. And last year, what he did, 2020, you, you, you watch this new regime come in, then they sign Von Bell, and your role is completely diminished in a contract year. And that dude didn't complain once. There were no social media lives. There were no weird Twitter posts that I saw. There were no leaks to the media that I'm aware of. And I, I think that that's, that that's a testament to his character because he could have complained. He could have bitched. He could have moaned. And, and I don't think he did any of that. Yeah, I mean, Paul Daner Jr. I think had a really nice tweet about it as well. The Bengals gave him a veteran's farewell. Sean Williams was a guy that I think was long underrated by Bengals fans. He was better in coverage than he was ever given credit for. And then I think he's he's a little miscast based on his size and his athletic profile as a box safety. And I don't think that's necessarily where he was best used. Lou Anarumo certainly did when he went to a much heavier single high. Jesse Bates being the free safety, Sean Williams being the box guy. In the last year, the Sean Williams got a lot of snaps before Von Bell came to town, and he just didn't fit that role very well. So I wonder what Arizona has planned for him. It sounds like he will be in a backup role there from what I heard from our Locked On Cardinals guys and in a brief conversation I have with them. Going to probably play some special team snaps for for them, but he was always willing to do that, always put the team first and I think that, you know, he's a veteran that I think was underappreciated quite a bit in Cincinnati, quite frankly, and I wish him the best. And I know that everyone that's listened to this podcast knows that we think Sean Williams has been a solid player in his career. And hopefully for the Cardinals sake, anyway, he, he continues that down there. And the other thing for the Bengals, James, is Jordan Evans. 
a lot of people I think are wondering is Josh Bynes coming back? Are they really going to trust these young guys to play linebacker? Jordan Evans, when he was on the field on defense was fine last year, has that great athleticism that, you know, has had some Bengals fans, myself included dreaming, but I think that dream pretty (laughs) much has come to an end at this point. I think he is what he is. And and that's a, a primary special teams contributor. And that's fine. You you know, you got to add those guys, but I agree with you. I think that this is part of the, the, the growth period where Logan Wilson's going to get his shot and Akeem Davis Gaither's going to get his shot, but you, you keep a key special teamer in Jordan Evans. And we, we don't really talk about it a ton, but the special teams unit, Darren Simmons group has taken a ton of hits and there's going to be a, a ton of new faces that, uh, that they're relying on, on special teams next year. And then the one other thing, Jake, um, that, that's pretty noteworthy because free agency wise, it certainly died down, but the Bengals were in on Jaron Reed and they wanted Jaron Reed and they were one of seven teams. According to the athletic, I didn't have that many. I, I didn't have the, the beat on that, but I, I did, uh, know that they were in on Reed. The Cowboys were in on him, but ultimately he signed a one-year deal with the Kansas city chiefs. But clearly they're still looking for defensive line help. You bring in Ryan Kerrigan last week for a visit didn't work out. Not sure exactly why, but I, I don't think anything's imminent. And then you kind of pivot quickly because Jaron Reed's suddenly available, a 28-year-old that could be, you know, a perfect trio or, or add, uh, you know, turn your duo, in, duo into a trio in the defensive line room uh, on that interior. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. He took a one-year deal with the Chiefs. Yeah, and it makes sense for the Bengals to have been in on Jaron Reed. I mean, he would be excellent rotational help for your pass rush. He can kick inside or Sam Hubbard could still kick inside. And he was a cut player. And I think that is a key point and might be why the Ryan Kerrigan deal fell through. Ryan Kerrigan might have been asking for more money than the Bengals thought he'd be asking for. And by that, I mean more than essentially veteran minimum, because I think the Bengals currently probably believe they're in line for a third round compensatory pick next year, James. And at this point in the process, I can see them and I can agree with the idea that you should try to preserve that because the guys available at this point that are unrestricted free agents, there aren't a ton of them out there that are really going to help you. Like Jadavion Clowney would be the big one that's an unrestricted free agent who would have a big impact on your team. But there, there are a couple others, I guess. But the reason that this pick was originally projected as a fourth round comp pick for Lawson is that his career snap percentage is is 43%. And the two primary variables to the comp pick formula that we think we know are money and, and snap count. And Carl Lawson in 2020, up to 68.3% snap count. That's from John Baines. I've talked about him a little bit on this show lately. Good follow for Bengal stuff on Twitter. If he gets to that number again in New York in his first year, that fourth round pick very likely becomes a third round compensatory pick. And the Bengals have been sorely lacking for those lately. I think if you can get an impact unrestricted free agent, you still do it. But in about six weeks, the compensatory formula is done. And the Bengals have been showing interest in a lot of veteran minimum and a lot of cut players. And the other thing here, just noteworthy, because I could feel the certain fans cringing Trey Turner was released. <laughs> so I'll just throw that out there. He was released. He, he wouldn't impact that anyway. So so don't worry about that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that could be part of it. I'm not sure if that was why, you know, the Kerrigan thing didn't work out. But uh, heck, if, if you didn't get Kerrigan and you would have gotten Reed 
that would have been a home run. Instead, it uh, looks like Kansas City's building a super team in the trenches over there. One last thing about Trey Turner, I guess, that I should throw out there too, James, is I know we've talked about him a lot as a guy that makes sense as a gamble to take, but I think there's a reason his market is developing slowly. I think that teams are concerned about his 2021 when he was very far from the Pro Bowl caliber he he played before and it wasn't just the injury there were issues before the injury as well I think that there are probably some questions about why Carolina was willing to trade him when they traded him when he was coming off of that great stretch and and he was good for them and I don't know how much money he's asking for so those are some variables that I think might just take a little bit of time to resolve and we'll see where he ends up or, or how much he ends up signing for but the point is that, you know, he's not necessarily a silver bullet that people are looking for on the offensive line. Is Pene Sewell a silver bullet, James? Is Jamar Chase a silverer bullet? We'll get into that a little bit here coming up next with some reports that have the perspective shifting a little bit about what the Bengals plan to do with that fifth overall pick. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NFL draft less than a month away, which means you can get in on, is Penny Sewell going to be the top offensive lineman off the board? Is Chase going to be the first wide receiver taken? NFL draft prop bets are here for you now. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, the NBA, and yeah, the Elite Eight rolling on. I mistakenly said Final Four yesterday. The Elite Eight college hoops still in full swing. So check them out right now, betonline.ag. Sign up on your mobile device or on your laptop and make sure you use promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's simple. Go to betonline.ag. Again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Chase versus Sewell. Sewell versus Chase. It's the debate we're going to have for the next month. And who knows? Maybe the Bengals uh, go somewhere else with that fifth overall pick, Jake. But I feel like those are the the two prospects that we're going to discuss a lot. And, and it's interesting because I think you and I both lean when it comes from uh, a Bengals perspective. I just kind of feel like they're leaning Sewell. But two national, tied-in, prominent NFL insiders, Albert Breer and Peter King, both saying that Jamar Chase could very much not only just be in play with the fifth pick, but uh, that people around the NFL expecting that to be the pick. Albert Breer, let's start with him. His report about the Eagles, their willingness to trade down from 6 to 12 last week as part of that essentially three-team blockbuster that Bengals fans celebrated, and rightfully so. Well, they did that partially because they didn't think Jamar Chase was going to be available at number 6. And that makes sense because they could certainly use a playmaker. And then Peter King saying that uh, he guesses that Chase will end up in Cincinnati at 5 we can dive into to more of this report and what it says about Chase or Sewell, but let, or both of these reports. But do you buy this? Do, do, you, do you think that this smoke is uh, is legitimate or is this just one of those uh, draft smoke screens that we get this time of year? I think it's enough for me to kind of go back to being uncertain about what I think the Bengals are going to do, especially before these guys test. Penny Sewell's pro day is coming up this Sunday, April 2nd. Jamar Chase on Wednesday, March 31st. So we're going to have to see how these guys test. Maybe Jamar Chase goes and measures 5'10", and they really inflated his height. And, you know, he goes out and runs a 4'6", or something that I can't oh, even conceive of. 
and that, then things change a little bit, right? Uh, but barring the unforeseen, if these guys test the way we expect them to, it, it, it is very close. And I understand why there are fans on both sides of this thing. I, I really do. And I would understand why it would be a debate in the Bengals organization too. Maybe the front office, you know, fell in love with Penny Sewell at some point. And, and maybe the coaching staff is looking at Jamar Chase, maybe Joe Burrows in Brian Callahan's ear and in Zach Taylor's ear and, and in Dan Pitcher's ear. Maybe he's even gone to Duke Tobin. He's like, hey, man, Jamar Chase is legit. He, 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 you go look at what we did together at LSU. It's a rare opportunity to pair a dominant quarterback and wide receiver duo from the college ranks in the NFL. Jamar Chase is a pro-ready body. You know, he's a strong guy. He's going to beat press. And if you give him off coverage, he's going to eat up the off coverage and he's going to make you look dumb anyway. And then there's the contingent that says, hey, you can't throw from your butt. You know, let's let's keep your knees, you know, intact this year. And, and that's the, the primary argument that I think we hear for Penny Sewell. While people tend to point to the idea that he's this generational talent at tackle and he could be. He could be. I just think that from what I've seen and from what I've heard from from talking to folks around the league and talking to folks that do their very detailed offensive line evaluations, the technique issues might be a bigger issue, especially for NFL coaches, especially if you're looking for a plug-and-play offensive lineman than even I think. Because when I look at him on tape, I see the technical issues and I think, oh, he recovers from them most of the time. But then there are some worrying trends. I think Joe Goodberry tweeted out something yesterday, an example of Sewell getting out over his toes. He's a little over-aggressive, and you see Billy Price doing that. And I'm not saying that he has a tendency the way Billy Price has a tendency. <laughs> I'm not saying that he has a short arm issue the way that Billy Price does. It gets him out lunging over his toes so often. But it does show up on his tape and is a trend. It's a concern. So there are things to clean up for Sewell. There are things to clean up for Chase. And, and this is going to go back and forth. I'm sure in the Bengals front office and on Bengals Twitter and on Bengals message boards and in Bengals bars when they reopen up when you guys get your vaccines for the next month. It's it's so interesting because I think Peter King and he said it, he said he was guessing. But Breer feels sourced. First, last week, he, he reported that Burrow was, quote, stumping for Chase. And then this comes out. And here's what I want to know, because the Eagles clearly, if they thought they were getting chase, I think they probably stand pat or if there's a good chance that he's there, they might stay there because I think he's worth that. Right. And you're talking about you have a young quarterback, you drafted a, a receiver in the first round last year, get him another guy that can just be a baller, especially if you're trading Zach Ertz, which they might do in, in Philadelphia. But th- they they didn't do that. And they, they traded down because they don't think he's going to be there. Where did that come from? The, the idea that Burrow wants him, the idea that the, the Bengals are, are going to end up taking Chase. Did it come from Burrow's agent? Did it come from, and I'm just speculating, I have no idea, but but who did it come from? How did the Eagles get wind of it? Because it's not like the Bengals are calling the Eagles like, hey, yeah, we're taking Jamar. <laughs> so it's not that simple. And so that's that's the part of this that I'm curious about that we'll probably never know, but because the where matters. The, the information's interesting and it's exciting. The other thing here, Jake, and I'm going to give you a theory that I have, uh, and, and I wrote about it in 
yeah, I'm sure there's uh, multiple angles to this in multiple ways where you could say, eh, they just don't want an offensive lineman. But last I checked, the Eagles' offensive line could use a little help. If they viewed Penny Sewell as this really high-end talent that that you know they that worth of worth the sixth pick, and you have this young quarterback, and you've taken a first-round receiver last year, a speedster, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, Penny Sewell fits there. And, oh, maybe he plays guard for a year. Maybe he just replaces Jason Peters and plays right tackle. There are multiple spots he could play. And the fact that they just passed on what essentially, if they think Chase is going five, is a guarantee that Sewell's going to be there. I think that's that's a little telling. It doesn't matter because the Eagles could be wrong. But it it does give us kind of an idea of what their evaluation is of him, at least a little. And I speculated and have speculated in the last week, especially that there might not be another team in the top nine until you get to Dallas that is in on Sewell at that part of the draft. I also think there's a a chance that the Eagles were looking at a quarterback and then the 49ers went up and and now they think that the quarterback they want is gone. Or or maybe it's like you said, maybe they're they're not interested in the offensive line choices they have at, at six without with the alternative being to add a future first and potentially if they have to reset this thing next year, if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out this year, then they can use that capital to go get their quarterback next year and have an extra second round pick as extra ammunition as well. So it could be just about the future pick acquisition for the Eagles and giving Jalen Hurts a chance this year that they feel like, you know, maybe they have a good idea of what the other teams are doing in the top 10, like you said, and they can still get one of the guys that they really like. Could be, but maybe they're giving up a chance to draft Kyle Pitts. If they're trading Zach Ertz, like you said, maybe they're giving up a chance to draft Jalen Waddle or, or Penny Sewell. And so those are significant things that they're giving up. And so you're right. If it was chase as Albert Breer's reporting indicates, and they're moving back anyway, maybe it's Atlanta, maybe it's Cincinnati, but it, it seems like there, there could be something to that. And I'm not saying that it's, it's definitely true, but there, but there could be something to it. And it's worth, I guess, weighing in your probabilistic formula for trying to figure out what the Bengals are doing at number five. And one little thing, regardless of what you think they will do, let's talk about what they should do just, just really briefly here, because a lot of people think, you know, this offensive line was terrible last year and it was, they had issues. They, they still have depth issues. But this idea that Penny Sewell is going to fix things, it does improve one position. And they probably just need one more piece. And I really like this tweet from John Sheeran. The, the pass blocking grades for the Cincinnati Bengals on true pass blocking sets last year, which is not play action, not boots, not screens, true pass blocking sets, which are a subset of pass blocking snaps from PFF. Jonah Williams graded a 78. Xavier Sewell Filo graded a 72. Riley Reef about 70, Trey Hopkins at center about 66. All of those are average to above average, and you need one more average pass blocking piece to have an average pass blocking line. Do you really need to to spend your number five pick when that's all you need to be an average offensive line? Uh, It's just something to chew on. There will be time to make more points and more arguments, and either way, I know James is ready to tell you all about why he thinks Jamar Chase should be the pick. We'll get there sometime in the future, but coming up next, we're going to talk about some pro day numbers that came in on Sunday and Monday. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. And you know what's awful? Overpaying 
to stay on the road. Well, you don't have to do that with rockauto.com. In fact, it's convenient, it's easy, and you're going to save money while making sure your vehicle stays on the road. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for more than two decades. You need to check them out right now and see how you can save money on the parts you're looking for. It could be something as simple as windshield washer fluid or filters for your car or the bigger stuff, right? The oil pumps, things like that. If you want to do that yourself at home and save money, well, that's all right. You can do that with RockAuto.com. Shop from the comfort of your own home. Save money doing it. No need to mask up and go to the big box store to watch Earl type in the make and model of your car when you can do that and save money while you do it. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. The built bar bracket is down to the flavorful four. We've got cookies and cream going against cookie dough chunk. And I'm not talking about ice cream flavors. And those are two of my favorites. I'm talking about protein bars, literally protein bars, cookies and cream, cookie dough chunk, protein bars that have low sugar, low fat, high fiber, high protein, real chocolate, and they taste amazing. We tell you about them all the time on the Locked On Podcast Network Built Bar is the best protein bar on the planet. Go vote for your favorite flavor for the Built Bar bracket at BuiltBar.com. And while you're there, check out their inventory. Pick the best flavors for yourself and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, and go vote in that bracket as we're down to the flavorful four. James, we are full on in pro day season. And everybody's ready to dismiss pro days this year because everybody's testing like freak athletes. And it's an athletic class. Let's be honest. It is an athletic class. Even if these guys were performing at the combine, I'm sure we'd still have some outstanding results. But without a combine this year, the athletic testing is coming in waves. Today, we've got updates for you from Michigan, from UNC. Those are both pretty noteworthy. They've got some guys that I think might have been interesting to the Bengals or might be interesting to the Bengals. Tomorrow, while you're listening to the show, we'll have Alabama and Ohio State's Pro Days going on in addition to Tulane, which isn't a school that you ever think about in college football in the same breath as Alabama or Ohio State. But Tulane has some edge rushers that were really good at the Senior Bowl that I'm going to be excited to see how they test as well. So quite a bit of interesting stuff happening this week with athletic testing, but let's start with the Michigan guys, James, before we get to the UNC guys from Monday. This is from Sunday. A couple of specific guys that I think are really interesting for the Bengals. I think Quiddy Pay at this point, well out of the conversation. I think he's gone before the Bengals pick in the second round. I don't think he's in consideration for the first round. So Jalen Mayfield, let's start there. A guy that was potentially a second-round offensive tackle prospect tested really poorly at Michigan's Pro Day. He comes in at 6'5", which is fine. He comes in at 326, which is a fairly solid build for an offensive tackle. But the arm length, just 32 and 5 eighths inches, that would be in the 8th percentile for offensive tackles. That means, and, and people talk about Joe Thomas all the time when it comes to short arm tackles, that means he needs to have Joe Thomas technique to succeed and Joe Thomas athleticism 
quite frankly, to succeed in the NFL. And Mayfield's testing generally not very good. An 8th percentile broad jump, 48th percentile vertical, 27th percentile 40, and below average in the agility testing as well. So if you're looking at Jalen Mayfield as a second-round tackle, I have to think that these numbers certainly don't do him any favors, especially when everyone is testing well at these pro days. I think, and you've seen him in the first round in some mocks, depending on where, and in others you see him in round three. I think it's more likely now that he becomes a, a round three than you see him in the first round, and he certainly should be there at 38. That doesn't mean that the Bengals won't like him or, or view him as a guy that they could potentially take, but you're right. I mean, especially all of these tackles are testing really well. Like we haven't had many, you know, ah, man, he tested kind of poorly. And, and so that's the thing is that as those happen, that, that could impact things a, a decent amount here in a really competitive tackle class. And Mayfield's a guy that could fall a little bit. There's going to be followers every year and he could certainly fall a little bit based on what happened. We've also got this year's Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, last year's freaky athletic wide receiver from Michigan who had productivity issues and had some polish issues or, or feel for the position issues, more athletes and receivers. And this year it might be Nico Collins, 6'4, 215, great size, 34 and 1 8 inch arms, extremely long player, had 75th percentile jumps, so above average jumps. Didn't didn't bench all that well, but ran a 442 had a good three cone and at that size at six four he's really the only guy that's taller than maybe one of a couple of guys not the only guy that has that size to go with solid athletic testing across the board what was his bench by the way jake i'm just curious 14 bench reps 50th percentile okay yeah, and, he, and he's got long arms, so that's part of it. We'll, we'll Look, if he comes to Cincinnati, we'll send him some built bars. We'll get that bench up to 18 to 20. He'll be strong enough uh, to, to get things going a bit. But, yeah, he's one of those guys, day three type guy, I would assume, because of the production. And you just you don't know exactly where he's going to go. Donovan Peoples-Jones, people were saying, hey, fourth round. Well, he fell to sixth round. And, and people in Cleveland are excited about it. Maybe this is a guy that the Bengals, even if they take Chase at five, by the way, I think they're taking another receiver on day three. It's just a matter of when. So Nico Collins, certainly in the mix there. Nico Collins also didn't play in 2020, but one of my favorite receivers tested a day down in Chapel Hill in Diami Brown, who some people like to talk about his drop issue. Some people like to talk about the fact that he only ran vertical routes in North Carolina, but I thought he had a fairly solid day. Uh, he, he was a little bit shorter than he was listed, but I, I was relatively happy with everything except his short shuttle. Yeah, nearly 6-1, just under 6-1, a buck 89, 18 bench press reps, and uh ran a, a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. So th- that's that's about right. <laughs> like like for I, I were you expecting to run in the 4-3s? I wasn't. It, it, you know, if you run a 4-4, that's fine. It's a 4-4-3 and it depends on who was timing him too because there's some I think that were a little higher. I know Jim Nagy had him at a four, four, six, either way, the kid can fly. <laughs> and so he's above the six foot threshold that you want him at. Uh, he, he doesn't weigh a buck 70. So that's good. 18 bench press reps, like I said, and then he ran a four, three, five in the short shuttle and a six, eight, seven in the three cone. And the, the three cone time is pretty good. That's a 77th percentile number. The short shuttle, surprisingly, 
comparatively to, to the three cone is, is pretty bad. That comes in in the 35th percentile. So not a great short shuttle for Diami Brown, but the 40 is really good. The size is fine. I think he had pretty long arms, nearly 33-inch arms, which is pretty good for him. He benched 18 reps, which is really good for a wide receiver, especially at 189. I would like him. I would have liked him to be like five more pounds, but you know he he probably can add a little bit of weight. Really like sure. the jumps, like the profile. Nothing he did today really moves him for me. So. I'm still pretty pleased with Diami Brown's pro day here and think that he's still certainly in a conversation for, for a day two vertical outside receiver for the Bengals. No doubt. And and that's how, where it feels like he's going to go is probably picks 33 to 50 in that range. And it could be as early as 33, depending on where the wide receiver run happens, if it happens earlier than we expect, uh, or, or he could just fall a little bit and, Let's be honest here. If the Bengals take chase, then they're not in the Brown sweepstakes. But if they don't, then he's very much in play, I think, at 38 because he's exactly at minimum what they need. Like, I think they need more than just a speedster. But at minimum, they need to find someone that can help stretch the field and open things up on offense. And if you go with an offensive lineman in round one, then a guy like Brown really fits the bill of what you're looking for. Because the the later you get into the draft, you're not going to find these wide receiver ones. Brown might not be that, but he's certainly able to take the top off. That would give you potentially, you know, three true wide receiver twos with with some potential with Brown and with uh, with Higgins to 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 get a little bit better. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like about Brown's profile. I think in this draft class, there are just pretty much no guys besides Nico Collins, may, maybe one other guy who's six two plus and and has good athleticism. Um, but, but Nico Collins doesn't really have the production that you're looking for. I will say this about Diami Brown and the Bengals. You go look at their history of, of 40 yard dash times. They are not 40 yard draft, 40 yard, uh, 40 yard dash, you know, aficionados in Cincinnati. They don't really care. They have a minimum, you know, they're looking for guys that are generally running four five, you know, or, or better looking at their history, but I mean, Chad Johnson ran a four, five, eight, AJ mm-hmm. green ran about a four five, a little bit faster, I think. So it's not like you need to run these four threes. We're seeing from some of these shorter players to, to dominate a wide receiver in the NFL and looking at all of their thresholds that, that Joe has been tracking for years. And I've started helping him to track in, in recent years, Jeremy Brown hits every checkbox, except he's one pound short of their 190 <laughs> pound threshold that 86% of the wide receivers they've drafted in the last 10 or so years have hit. So he does generally hit the thresholds and beyond that, it's just a tape evaluation. And there's a lot to like on tape. If you can get past the drops, especially, and he did improve those drops quite a bit going from 2019 to 2020. So a lot to like there. And I'm sure we'll talk about him again in the future. Just had to revisit that because we drafted him yesterday for mock draft Monday. You can't help but smile when you talk about Mr. Brown. You love that man. I like it, though. That's one of your draft crushes. I, I like him. I like him for a couple of reasons. Just a largely, it's a size thing, really. I mean, we're going to have to see how Tylen Wallace specifically measures. I'm really interested in seeing how he works out, too. That's another guy that I think is being slept on a little bit. But we'll see. Plenty of time to talk about wide receiver. 
And if they go chase, then, you know, none of these guys are really in the conversation anyway. I'm chasing chase, Jake. No argument from me, at least not today. We'll see how I feel tomorrow as I (laughs) seem to go in circles on this all the time. And speaking of tomorrow, we'll be talking with Bengals pro scouting director, Steven Radicevic. And we'll get a little bit of insight on the free agency hall and the free agency process this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.